Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And welcome to the Record Rangers podcast with me, Johnny McFarlane, and as usual, I'm joined by Mr. Scott McDermott. On the pod today, we're going to look back at Rangers versus Livingston. We're going to talk to Scott about his trip to Portugal to spy on Braga, and we're going to answer your questions from Twitter. Scott, we're going to start off with your trip, your sojourn. You're away to Denmark to have a look at Celtic's opponents, and you also went to Portugal to have a look at Braga. Looks like it's going to be a really tough game. They're sitting third, of course, in the Portuguese league and have had a massive turnaround under their new manager. Uh, they've beaten, I think, Sporting. They've beaten Benfica. You saw them beat Benfica. Uh, and what did you make of them? They were impressive, Johnny. I mean, to go to Benfica, uh, they hadn't won there in the league in 65 years. I mean, that's how big a result it was for them. Um and you have to say they probably deserved it. I mean, sure, they rode the luck at times. Benfica had you know, numerous chances. Uh, Braga keeper was very good. But they're so uh, ambitious. No, no gung-ho, but certainly willing to take chances and go and attack teams and you know, kind of go for your throat. Uh, so you have to admire that. And because of that, uh, they created chances of their own, scored a good goal. Uh, could have one or two more themselves. Um, so over the course, they probably deserved it. And they go to Benfica and win shows how good this team are. I think you're right. Under the new manager, a young guy, ex-player, uh, Amarim, the players have just taken to him. They've bought into what he's trying to do. Um, I mean, it's bizarre that he can't even uh, he can't even be in the dugout yet because he's not got his uh, UEFA badges. I think he's... Still got two or three levels to go, uh, so much so I don't even think he'll be able to do the the press conference uh, at Ibrox on Thursday um, because he's not got his badges. It'll need to be uh, one of the other coaches that that's, does it. That's bizarre, isn't Strange. it? Strange. You think they um, would give them a, a six month period to get? I was trying to think. Was there not a high profile thing in British football like that before with a manager? Was it Di Matteo? No. Roberto Di Matteo, maybe? There definitely was someone there was, down there was south. There somebody in England... Uh, well, they, they got an summer. extension. Yeah, it was like that. I mean, um, Gerard hadn't finished Ger- his pro badge, There was he? talk about Gerard yeah. uh, in the, the summer that he arrived at Rangers, that he had to get it, but he, I think he got it. Mm. I think he get kind of... He was get, on it already. Yeah, you get dispensation, yeah. I think, for the, the European games, if, you, if they know you're on it. So, um, But yeah, they've bought into what Amarim's try to do as I say young coach um, ex-player they're unbeaten under him uh, so far I think they've had eight, eight or nine games uh, won them all bar one uh, where they get a draw so I think it's going to be a looking at them going to Benfica you would think that they'll adopt a similar approach going to Ibrox um, no, similar kind of system um, playing in the counter attack uh, no, trying to get goals themselves. If they do that, and I expect them to do that, I think it 
should be a cracking game on Thursday night because obviously Rangers, with the crowd behind them, first leg having to get a result. No, Rangers are going to go for it. I think Braga will go for it. No, in terms of I don't, I don't think count, Rangers, I don't counter-attacking think, football. I don't think Rangers are going to go for it. No? No, I think they'll sit in and try to feel the game out and see what Braga are setting up to do. I think Rangers would be quite happy with a nil. Yeah, m- m- maybe go for it. The days are gung-ho yeah, at home. Yeah, m- maybe go for it is the wrong impression. But Rangers at home in a first leg, I think, still need to try and... Uh, no, I agree. They'll, they'll, at first, they'll sit in and try and feel, feel the game out. But no, eventually, Rangers will need to try and gain control of the game, particularly in the middle of the park. And with the crowd behind you, you, know, you need to go and create try and create chances and get and get at least one goal. Um so I just think it's got the makings of a really a really entertaining entertaining game. Was there any players that stood out to you? Now I'm going to have an attempt at pronouncing this. Francisco Trincao, who yep. signed for Barcelona from Braga and then was loaned back for thirty one million euros. Twenty years old, Portugal under twenty one international. Yep. Being something of a uh, to use the championship manager parlance, bit of a wonder kid. <laughs> um, I think I used that in my match. I <laughs> did you? I might, I might have stolen it from you. What, what did you make of him? He only came on for about 30, 35 minutes, but I think even in that time you could see you know, that the boys got something. Um, a bit of a kind of... Uh, but ungainly, no, actually quite tall, slim, um, for a wide player. One of these boys maybe eventually will play through the through the middle. He came on wide right, um, but you can tell he's got something because even at that age, no, twenty years old, coming into a game like that and a stage like that, no, away to Benfica, you're one nil up. Um, I mean, actually tells you about Amarim as well, 1-0 up away to Benfica, and he throws on the wonder kid, no way, with half an hour to go, 20-year-old, to go and try and get another, try and get another goal, um, but Trincao looked good, he, no, he made a kind of, he, he didn't just come on and, no, fit into the game, and, and no, as they kind of saw it out, he actually came on and made an impact, did a couple of chances, uh, he set up one of his teammates for a chance. No, he caused Benfica uh, the Benfica left back some problems, and he got himself into the box for the for the wide area. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we, we were su- or I was surprised that he started in the bench on uh, Saturday because obviously we'd heard uh, we'd heard a lot about him. But speaking to a few of the Portuguese guys, they weren't surprised because although he signed for Barca for this huge fee. They still see him very much as a kind of developing youngster. No, he's got a lot to learn still. He's got that natural ability, but whether they'll throw him into the game at Ibrox, uh, I'm not sure. I've got a feeling he might start on the bench again and do, uh, no, kind of probably do what he did at, at Benfica and come on late in the game. Any of the starters stand out to you? I know they've got this boy who they just signed for seven million, Abel Ruiz from Barcelona, but who have. Such faith in them, they've got a 34 million euro buyback clause. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought the goalkeeper was excellent. Uh, Matthias, the, the goalkeeper, no, a real sweeper keeper, modern day, the kind of keeper you could see one of the Premier League teams in England going for just because of the way he plays. Um, but unusual for foreign keepers, actually likes catching the ball. I know that sounds simple, but um, made some really good saves, one in particular in the second half. Brilliant save down low to his left, um, but the way Braga play with that high line, no, they need a keeper. 
like that to, to sweep up and it, occasionally it looked a wee bit messy when balls are going over the top and he's kind of rushing out and you're thinking no what's he doing but he's doing it for a reason that's that's the way they play he has to come out in, in clear clear danger <coughs> so think, he was think Daniel Stendhal will be after him to replace Joe <laughs> Pereira <laughs> talking about the high line replace Bobby's Lamal yeah um, so he was very good the defence I spoke about it in my match report We've got Portuguese and Brazilian defenders, a few of them young, uh, like the boy David Carmo, uh, young guy, I think he's only 20 as well. No, they can play, No, they're, they're a big athletes, strong. Uh, Carmo reminded me a wee bit of, of Katic, actually, in terms of so eager to go and win everything and engage in that kind of physical battle, but... No, got booked because he, he lunged in late and, and caught one of the Benfica players. No, at times, a couple of his teammates were having to tell him to calm down. It looked in the first half as if he was getting carried away. He got caught twice in the ball, trying to play out for the back. He was a bit hesitant. And you, you were watching it thinking, if he plays on Thursday and Morelos can can get at him and get under his skin, uh, Rangers can get, a, can get a bit of joy. Um and ahead of that, the one guy for me who stood out was the, the goal scorer, uh, Palina, who played central midfield, just looks an all-action, box-to-box midfielder. You know, he'll dictate the play, he'll dictate Braga's tempo, he'll go and pick the ball up for the, the back four and start attacks, but at the same time, a couple of minutes later, you'll see him getting in the box and getting the end of things. And he scored a header um, for a corner on Saturday to, go, to win the game. A really good header um, for inside the box. So he's got about everything. And he was the guy I thought that really, really made them tick. Um, him and Fran Sergio, the captain, played centre-mid together. And if I think if Rangers are going to get a positive result on Thursday, they'll need to stop those two um, dict- or orchestrating for Braga in the middle of the park. Just before we move on to the Rangers versus Livingston game, Scott, now that you've seen them, I've only cursory looked at what, what, what they've got to offer, so I don't feel really comfortable in a position to say whether or not I think Rangers can do anything. What was your take, having watched them close up for 90 minutes? Do you think Rangers can get the win? I think if Rangers... Listen, we know Rangers haven't been at their best domestically uh, recently, but the one thing to say about Gerrard's teams, you know, they've always, you know, nine times out of ten, they've turned up in Europe. Um, I think this will be a kind of welcome break for the league, if you like. I think the crowd will be up for it uh, on Thursday night. So I think if Rangers can get up to the level we know they can reach uh, in Europe, then they'll, no, they'll give Braga a really good, a really good game. Um, Braga will be dangerous. No, the Rangers are going to be wary of that counter attack in the the home leg. But I think what you said, if Rangers. No, can get a narrow lead or or even a nil nil. No, still wearing the tie going to Portugal. No, the onus will then be on will then be on Braga to no come out and go and win the tie. And as we've seen previously this season, that's when Rangers can be can be dangerous on the break. No, that's when the likes of Ken and Morelos and no whoever can. No, use their pace and the, the counter attack and really, really hurt teams. So I think it'll be a really evenly matched tie. Rangers have got every chance, um, but Braga are dangerous. I mean, when the draw got made, I think a lot of people thought, 
it's a it's a good draw for Rangers. I was probably I probably include myself in that and thought it was a favourable draw. Rangers would be favourites to get through. Having looked at Braga, I think they'll be more dangerous than that. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't wouldn't rule Rangers out. Okay, well, with you being away, I know you didn't see much of the Livingston game, so I'll just give you a quick yep. summation, McFarlane's summation of what, what I thought was going on in that one. I thought Rangers were pretty average once again, never really got firing. However, there was signs throughout the game that they were starting to move a little bit more into what you would consider to be their top gear. Um, they did create a number of chances... And I think on another day, with another referee, Rangers would have won quite comfortably. I think you'll have seen now, Alfredo Morelos had a goal chopped off that yep. was a good goal. Um, Livingston keeper had a number of stunning saves, particularly one from Andy Halliday, which actually probably will be one of the saves of the season. An incredible save. Ball comes in, Andy Halliday pokes his... Andy, Hall- Andy Halliday? <laughs> Andy Halliday pokes his foot, foot out, gets his toe on the end of the ball, maybe six, seven yards out. Down to the bottom corner, looks like it's got us a goal. Keeper flicks it up with his hand onto the bar and over. Just a terrific save. Camberry's put one in that was marginal. You're talking inches, whether yeah, or not. It's, it's, as well. VAR would call it offside, but I think it's a brave call by the linesman to call that offside. It was so marginal, but probably the right decision. There was a clear handball. Um, uh, Kieran Brown, I think it was, who went up to make a header in the box. I know it was windy, but he had his arm directly out. We talk about natural silhouette. You need to have your arms by your side nowadays, according to the rules. Now, we might disagree with that. It might be a bit crazy. The ref, the ref said it was the conditions. Is that the, right? the, the ref told Stephen, uh, I think it was Conor Goldson, that, yeah. who complained and said, look, he, he handled the ball clearly there. Uh, but he told them, well, it's, it's the wind. The wind's blown it onto his arm. I, I think that's ridiculous. And then there was the, the the other incident that I think a lot of fans were upset about, a, a tackle by John Guthrie on Connor Goldson. Steven Gerrard thought it was a yellow card, not a red. I know a number of Rangers fans are calling on social media uh, for it to have been a red. Personally, having seen it again, I don't think it was a red. I think it was one of those orange cards. It was a yellow. It could have been a red, but I think a, a yellow was fair. Yeah. Um, he I, th- does I think in this day and age, I think, have you seen the tackle? Yeah, right. I think five, ten years ago, it would have been a yellow. But I think in, in this current climate, it should have probably been a red card. Well, well, I'll tell you why I think it should be a yellow, right? People are comparing it to, to Sam Cosgrove's yeah. shot. I don't think they are the same at all. Sam Cosgrove runs 15 yards before piling through. I think it's Scott Brown or whoever it was Ayer. in that game. Higher, sorry. Um, and that was completely out of control. Now, the difference for me in this tackle uh, with uh, Guthrie is that He's challenging Connor Goldson for the ball. He, he tries to shoulder barge Goldson off the ball. Goldson's a big, strong guy. And he gets bounced back off him, and then he sort of throws himself into the challenge to try and win the ball. Yeah. He doesn't get there, but I, I don't think. But John, but, but I don't but, think it's it, it goes far enough into the category of endangerment. But the, but there was far. I more, think it's reckless but, but, more than. But, but there was far more chance of Guthrie hurting. Or causing serious injury to Connor Goldson than there was of Cosgrove uh, causing serious injury to Ayer. Because Cosgrove goes and takes the ball first, clearly, and it's the follow-through on Ayer, and Ayer makes, makes the most of it. And I said at the time, the Cosgrove one might have looked harsh, but the fact that Cosgrove had given the ref... 
at that decision to make, as you say, he'd ran that distance. I think in the modern day, when you when you give the referee that chance, you're always in danger of getting the the red card. I think there's actually, as I say, I think there's more. I think uh, Guthrie catches Goldson more, takes nothing of the ball, obviously because the ball is away. I agree with that. Um, so I think if Cosgrove's a red card, then then Guthrie's certainly a red card. Okay, yeah. For me, I, I can't sit here and say I don't respect that position because I do because that can be argued. It's totally subjective, but for me, it comes down to it being more reckless than deliberately endangering. Now, and deliberately is the wrong word because that's not in the rules, but it, it, it's not endangering the opponent. But yeah. um, you might disagree with that. Um, I, can how, see, I can see the opposite argument. How did how did Rangers... I, I know the starting 11, obviously, but did Hadji play more central? He was, was, drift, he was drifting all over the place, but right. his natural inclination is to... To, to come inside yeah and, I mean, I, I've and, said and for a while I've said for a while and I said before the Livingston game people were talking about what team Gerald would go with. I think he's got to get Hadji central to get the best of him you know, watching him at Kilmarnock starting on the right um, we spoke about it he was coming inside all the time congesting that, that area I think he feels restricted out there looking at him now listen he might be a luxury player Rangers can't afford in certain games if that's the way Stephen Gerrard feels about it but certainly in home games against the likes of Livingston no with all due respect I think you need to play him centrally and obviously having watched the, the goal the Arfield goal he picks out a great pass from a, a central area not a killer pass an assist that, that breaks down uh, that Livingston defence and that's what Rangers have been have been crying out for um, so I think he's got to play whether, whether that means you need to go four two three one permanently, I'm not sure. That'll be up to to Gerard whether Hadji can fit into that four three three as one of the, you know, as one of the two midfielders ahead of ahead of Davis. But I just think you, to get the best out of him, you know, he's got he's got so much ability. Clearly, he's got to start for a central central position to hurt teams. Well, he was certainly the more effective of the two attacking left and right tense that Gerard right. has. Uh, Ryan Kent was really poor, uh, hooked after 55 minutes. It did look like Steven Gerrard had said to him at half-time, you've got 10 minutes, son, because you're having a nightmare. And he didn't improve after the break. On comes Cam Berry. And, uh, where, th- where did Cam Berry play? He played on the left, but right. he, as you can imagine, got himself a lot closer to Morelos. Yeah. And did really well, as much as anything else, it was really just the way he moved into positions and stretched Livingston a little bit more. Um, rather than picking the ball up in front of Livingston, Camberry was pushing up and on past them, yeah. which moved them back a little bit. Um, and I know it didn't count, but he was slipped through for the for the goal that was ruled offside. I thought it was a great run, an absolutely gorgeous finish. Yeah. So I think he showed that he has a bit about him and possibly can in those type of games can be a handy option to come off the left. Yeah, We know yeah. that he's played on the left for Hibs. I was going to say, Heckingbottom, Paul Heckingbottom, f- for all his failings at Hibs, did use Camberry wide left quite a lot No, yeah. against the against the bigger teams in the league. No, when he wanted to go with one up front, but he still wanted Camberry in the team. And you're right, I mean, I, I watched him a few times there, and although it's nowhere you really want to see him, he can give you something different. No, because it's not like a natural left winger like a Kent or, or whoever. 
no, he's big, he's strong, you can go a bit more direct to him, he gets close to the striker, his instinct is always to you know, get into the box, so there's certainly a bit of merit in that. I wouldn't like to see him play, the, play there all the time, Yeah, but it sounds as if it, it, it might be an option for Gerard. Because rather than having the three spread out as two number 10s and one striker and a striker in front, or two wide men and a striker in front, it was almost like Hadji at 10 with two strikers in front. Yeah. And yes, he was placed, he was positioned more f- further out on the left. I think there might be some joy there for Rangers because it just gives you something tactically a wee bit different that sides aren't expecting, they're maybe not um, really prepped for. Yeah. That means that Hadji can drift right, Canberry can drift left, but but their f- starting position is more of this, th- it's more like a 3-5-2 almost with the guy yeah. in behind. And it, it plays to their strength. So I think it's something they could use. Overall, apart from uh, the that they created a little bit more. Scott Arfield still continues to look like the one player that is bang at it. I don't know if this is because Arfield comes back after a really, really testing summer playing for Canada and doesn't really find his feet because he's, uh, he's knackered. But he's also talked, obviously, about having personal problems that affected yeah. him at the start of the season. But whatever has happened to him, he's looking right at it now and is leading from the front. I think Scott Arfield is just a quality player, Johnny. And quality players will always... No, get back to form eventually. Um, there's no doubt he had a dip. Uh, he was out the team, probably quite rightly. I think. I don't know if they even the. No, there seemed to there was confusion at one point as to where Arfield was going to play. No, he obviously. No, he'd played as one of these inverted wingers towards the end of last season, and people thought, right, that's his best position. He got a couple of goals, but the start of this season, maybe team sussed out a bit more, sussed him out. As you say, did have kind of off-field stuff that, that Stephen Gerrard admits uh, affected him at the time. But I think with quality players, you know, they're always going to find their, find their feet again. And Arfield moving back centrally, getting a couple of goals, gets the confidence up, especially when it's a, when it's a couple of long-range goals that were brilliant uh, at Hamilton and, and Kilmarnock. And I think he's a guy that you would always want in the... In the Rangers team for his experience, you know where he's been, what he's done, you know the kind of feeling he's got for the club. Um, and you're right; I mean, he's hit for him at a time when Rangers really, really need him and really needed it, which is which is great for them. Uh, one of the big talking points was Alfredo Morelos. Now, since I think the break, he's had it might be going back before the break actually, but his last seven games, he's only scored one goal. Um, I think he looks or has looked a wee bit out of condition compared to him at his absolute sharpest. I wonder if um, Gerard will start to rethink about him being able to go back to Colombia for, for such a lengthy period in future winter breaks. Is that something that you consider? Should Alfredo Morelos be around? You love looking into these fitness issues, don't you? Like, I just, I, I, honestly, right, listen, I, you, you don't know, and I have to say he was looking pretty physically good against uh, Livingston on, on Saturday, but I just wondered, before that, he's looking a bit rusty, but maybe it was just a suspension. He has looked rusty, I mean, there's no getting away for that, I, I must admit, I, I didn't consider the, the fitness issue or whether he looked a wee bit. He's no, one of those players that he's, like, he's got that Wayne Rooney thing about him. It's yeah. physical, he's not a natural athlete. A wee bit. I just think he's not. he hasn't looked as sharp. Mm. I mean, it's as simple as that. As I say, when I was watching the... I was at Rugby Park for the Kilmarnock game, and I'm watching him thinking, is this the same guy that 
we were thinking back to just a few months before, like Feyenoord away and Terrorising Porto teams. at home. I mean, uh, Feyenoord at home as well, where he absolutely destroyed the, the, the centre-backs that night. Uh, and he just didn't look as if he had that, uh, just that edge to him. Um, so, I mean, it's another puzzler for Gerard in terms of, when he's trying to put his finger on why the team have come back for the winter break, no looking as sharp as a whole, but also his his main striker, the guy who was scoring for fun, looked as if he was going to score in every game, home and away. Well, listen, listen. Let me just jump in there with some Gerard quotes. Um, this was from an article. It kind of a little bit got a little bit buried. I thought there wasn't that many people talking about it, but I thought the quotes were quite telling. This is from Stephen Gerrard last week. He said, "Alfredo is a big challenge for me. He's the player in the group that tests me the most. He's the one I have to put a lot of my focus and attention to." but a lot goes on in his world on and off the pitch. The suspension has possibly had an impact, but he can cope better than most. The signs are that he is getting back to it. And I have to say, I think he's right, Stephen Gerrard. I saw that on uh, on Saturday. However, he's still, he's still not looking 100% the Alfredo Morelos that we saw, as you say. What would you make of these, these, these quotes? I'm not surprised. I mean, Gerrard spoke before uh, or said something similar, I think a few weeks ago, actually. Uh, there was some Walter Smith quotes that came out uh, talking about players that he'd managed, you know, like your Gascoigns and people like that. And you know, he says that the ones that test you are often the ones that win you, win you games. Now, there, just, there was a player that yeah. would go back, that come back from a break a wee bit, yeah, uh, <laughs> <Wee bit plucked. laughs> out of condition. <laughs> um, so, listen, I think Gerard knows that. The reason I think he's talking about having put putting so much time into him, I. I I don't buy that the, that the off-field stuff affects Morelos on the pitch. I'm sorry, I mean, I might be wrong in that, but I, I don't think that some of the stuff why, that's happened why, away... Why, why not? Because it would affect me at my work. If if, if I'm having a bad time at I home, don't, it, it affects think, me I don't at my think work. footballers operate like that. I, I don't think footballers go into a pitch. But they're, they're just humans. What, but, but I don't think they worry. I think once you're out in the pitch, I don't think they're worried about... No, what's what's been said in a, a newspaper about them, or what, what's happening with your missus? Now, I just I don't. I might be wrong, but it doesn't strike me as the kind of guy, no, that goes on a pitch worried about things that are happening away from football. It just looks as if no, it, it might. He's kind of facial expressions uh, maybe wouldn't indicate it, but it looks like a guy that loves football and loves being out there. Do you know what I mean? He loves that that battle and uh, everything that goes with it. So I, I think the reason Gerard's saying that is because A, Morelos is still, I think, developing and still can get better. I still think there's rough edges to his game that need smoothed out. I don't think he's a finished article. And I think from a coaching point of view, Gerard and you know, his backroom team probably do have to work a lot in Morelos and the reason for that, and that's the second part of it, is that he's the fulcrum of this team, you know, he's the focal point, he's the guy they rely on, you know, I know Defoe has been there and, and now they've got Camberry as backup but you know, none of those are at the level of Morelos when, he, when he's at it, you know, when he's when he's in that Porto game or the Feyenoord game or the, even the Celtic away game, even though he didn't score, he, no, he, he kind of tortured them at times as well, physically. So I think Gerard and the, the staff know how important he is to them. So now that they're looking at him and he's off it and he's not quite 
doing what he did do before the break, it's a big, it's a big issue for them. I wouldn't uh, be surprised one bit if he scores a double against Braga. He's, he, he just looks like he's a, he's. I'm we know same. he's the kind of guy. Once he scores a goal, especially in a big, he'll be back on it. Yeah. I think the reason that I was challenging when you were saying about I don't think the off-field stuff affects him is because for me he's often been a guy a confidence player in some ways he's quite streaky yep. um, and when he's at it he's at it game after game after yep. game but then when he has a couple of games um, he can sometimes go a little bit off the boil now he's produced so many good performances and he's been given so many opportunities in this Rangers team that I think the streaks have become less yeah. it's been more consistent but, but I still believe he's, he's a guy that he tries really hard to get a goal if he hasn't got a goal. Yeah. And sometimes it's that, that trying too hard that causes some problems. Yeah, and, that, and, and that's where I think the rough edges. You see, I, this, I, th- I think he's still... The Celtic game's a perfect opportunity uh, example. I mean, you see how hard he's trying. Yeah, but even in other games, I think since the break, he's snatching at shots. Yeah. He's trying to get shots away early when the, when the shot's not on. I think there's been times where he could have played in teammates, but he's no, he's had a pop at goal as well, just desperate to get back on the score sheet. And I, th- I think it's no, it's probably cost Rangers at times. They've probably created good openings, and Morelos has kind of wasted it just through that sheer desperation to score. What I would say is, you're right about the the Braga thing. It wouldn't surprise me because I think no, I think he loves that European. Stage, I think Ibrooks again under the lights, knockout game, up against Portugal, eh, Portuguese and South American defenders. I think he'll thrive on that. I think he'll love. I think he'll love that challenge when he's up against a couple of Brazilians at the back. Um, I think that will really get him up for it. And you're right. No, despite everything I've said, it wouldn't surprise me if he if he goes and scores, especially for the reasons that I've uh, mentioned at the very start about the, the chances that Braga will take at the back. And if Morelos can pounce on them and get a goal, even if he gets a goal, no, if he gets a goal early, I think that'll just lift him and, and he could go on for there. One last thing about the game, Scott, was that London Dykes impressed once again. I heard that, yeah. After the game, Nikola Katic said that he's almost on the level of Alfredo Morelos, which was, I mean, that's some <laughs> compliment. Um, but what I would say, Scott, is... I'd be shocked if Rangers aren't looking closely at this guy because he's the one guy in the Premiership that I look at that's not at Rangers or Celtic that you go, he can run the channels because he's got pace, he can hold the ball up because he's got strength. He does that thing that Morelos does, which he can do either, which any top modern striker needs because most of the time you're up there on your own. I think he's shown exponential growth since he's come from Queen of the South and he's improving every month and becoming a more complete player. Gary Holt's doing a wonderful job getting the best out of him. And I just look at this guy and think, he's the kind of player that could go down to the championship for 200 grand and be worth 10 million in a season. Um, now, obviously, it could go the other way as well. It depends on luck. It depends on what team he goes to. It depends on the coach he gets. It depends on many, many factors. But I think it would now be remiss of... Rangers not to have a wee look at this guy as a project player yeah. because I just see so much in him. He's well, a rough diamond. Listen, they should be looking at him. That that goes without saying. I mean, if Rangers aren't looking at Lyndon Dykes, then there'll be, there's something wrong with the scouting or the recruitment or whatever. I mean, that that should be a gimme. So if that's not happening, that's a worry um, for all the reasons you've spoke about. Me personally, 
I feel as if I can't say either way because I've not seen enough of him live. I obviously watched the Livingston Celtic game, but it was a real handful for them. Um, he gets sent off at Ibrox in the first game against Livingston, so we didn't see much of him there. I'm hearing good things. My natural instinct about him was that he was almost too much of a target man and maybe a bit one-dimensional for the way Rangers were going to play and how Gerard was wanting to move forward with this team. But obviously I'm hearing different things like uh, what you're saying there. Uh, sounds as if he had a good game at the weekend and you know, people who watch Livy regularly speak very highly of him. And Rangers should be watching him because, as you rightly point out, if Preston, for instance, come and take Jaden Stockley for Aberdeen, who no, hasn't really hit the heights that even Dykes has hit this season in terms of goals and praise and talk about international call-ups. If Aberdeen come and take a Stockley, eh, Preston come and take a Stockley for Aberdeen, they came and t- eh, took Louis Moult for, for Motherwell, different type of player, but no, same kind of same kind of standard. Then you can bet your bottom dollar that no, you're talking about it could go to the championship. Bet your bottom dollar championship clubs in England are definitely looking at Lyndon Dykes every week for Livy and weighing up whether he could do a job for them down there. So if Rangers aren't in the mix as well in terms of scouting every game, then there's a problem because of course if a guy like that comes onto the scene at that age with that. Uh, profile Rangers have got to be looking at them because there'll certainly be other there'll be other clubs looking at them. You can you can guarantee that. Yeah, twenty four years old, obviously, so he's in the right age bracket. Yeah, twenty two games in the Premiership this year, nine goals, seven assists, so decent numbers. Decent, and someone decent for a club for a club like, like Livy. I mean, we know Livy are punching above their weight and they're um, no, they're up in the, the the top six, but no, for a club like Livy, in terms of the way they play, I think. Those are decent numbers um, for a guy that age. And as I say, if Rangers aren't if Rangers aren't on the ball, no. Listen, they might look, they might have looked at him six or seven times and just think he's no for us. That's fair enough. But if they are, if they have an interest in him, they'll need to be on the ball because, as I say, clubs like you no know, your Prestons, your Cardiffs, you no know, these clubs in the Championship, Bristol Cities. They'll be looking at him, guaranteed. A good example of this would be Kev- Kenny McLean. A lot of people yeah. said Kenny McLean's not good enough for Rangers. Yeah. He's just not good enough. He's an Aberdeen player. He'll go down and he'll do okay in the championship. Yeah. Kenny McLean's now valued at 10 million quid. Yeah. I you know, know, I think we sometimes we have a tendency to look at a player and think, well, if he's not made a career move to yeah. one of the old firm I or agree. down south. Listen, th- beside Kenny McLean, but possibly even bigger, is John McGinn, obviously. I mean, no, because of John McGinn's kind of Celtic connections, maybe Rangers fans, no, didn't even look at John McGinn or weren't interested. But no, at the time when he was playing with Hibs, or even before he'd went to Hibs, I mean, you need to remember when he left St Mirren, he was without a club, he was going in trial in America. No, I was saying Rangers should be all over. You this, said it on this podcast. All over this boy, even no, I don't care about his Celtic connections in terms of what he was going to be worth. Rangers should have been all over it. No, people talk about Celtic missing the boat with McGinn because they get caught in their heels. They thought it was a thought it was a gimme, and then Aston Villa came and blew them out the water. Rangers should have been in that race as well from from even earlier. Missed the boat. Look at him now. I mean, you're talking about McLean worth ten million. 
how much is McGinn right. going to be worth at Premier League level come the end of this season uh, when he comes back? You might feel the same way about Scott Allen. Well, <laughs> Scott's, well, Scott's face just lit up and his eyes turned into <laughs> love heart emojis there. Another great ball for Scott Allen. <laughs> it was, it Unbelievable. Was. <laughs> Talk about defence splitting passes. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. And I should probably tweet about this, but I'll get a torrent of abuse for it. But when Scott Allen produced that pass at Ibrooks, I remember it well, right? Scott. Oh, I, I watch it every day. <laughs> um, when he produced that pass, I get guys on Twitter and social media no, slagging me off and saying, literally guys saying, these passes are 10 a penny in the Scottish Premiership. <laughs> I've no seen one since. I've literally no seen one since. As good as that, no, to split a defence with one pass. No, that, that, that was special. It's still the pass of the season, and probably the second best pass of the season is the one Alan produced on, on Saturday. To be fair, I think Hadji's was good on Saturday, but maybe not quite as good as that no. Scott Allen pass. Right, we're going to move on to um, Twitter questions before we ruin the listenership of this podcast by talking about Scott Allen <laughs> anymore. Um, but if you have any queries or questions about what Scott thinks about Scott Allen, yeah, it's pilot on. Scott McDermott 8. <laughs> Um, right, so we're going to go for a question from M Dow at M Dow No Blue Tick. He's asked with Greg Doherty looking such a good fit for Hibs, giving him the type of team and play that suits him. What does the panel think of a permanent move if both clubs can come to a deal in the summer? Now, I th- that's a. I'm, a, I'm assuming that was a Rangers fan, but uh, what might, do you be think? A, might be a Hibs fan. Might be a Hibs fan. Um, my theory on on Greg Doherty and. Jamie Murphy, who's uh, also in that bracket now, scoring goals for, for Burton Albion and playing well. My, my problem with it is, and I don't think it's been mentioned enough, Rangers made a, Rangers didn't make a mistake by letting these guys go out just now in January. Rangers have made a crucial mistake no letting these two go out at the start of the season, in the summer. Why they were allowed to sit there in the background for six months no I'm assuming clubs approached strangers or inquired about these two guys in the summer because they were fit they were available I'd be amazed if clubs no especially after what Doherty did last year at, at Shrewsbury there must have been clubs in the summer what to take these guys on loan <clears throat> I don't understand why Rangers kept them for the six months they barely kicked a ball Jamie Murphy recovering for a cruciate injury and trying to get games and trying to get minutes and his legs couldn't do it at Rangers because there's not enough reserve games. The standard at reserve league level isn't good enough anyway to get him back up to speed. Dockett, he was sitting there doing nothing as well. These guys needed games to get up to the level and you're seeing that now. But if they'd have sent them out in the summer on loan to Burton or Hibs or whatever, do the loan until January. <laughs> Rangers could have been welcoming these two guys back in January, having played 25 games, ready to go, and challenging you know, for a place in that Rangers team. And I think that's been the, the crucial mistake that's been made. I don't think it was a major... I know people are saying now it was the wrong decision to send them out in January. And looking at the way they're playing now, compared to your Ojos and your Barkers and people like that, of course it, it looks like the wrong move. But I think the bigger mistake was no getting them out in January, 
get them six months of football, bring them back, <coughs> bring them back in January, and I think Rangers with a two new reinvigorated, uh, no Rangers supporting players in the ranks that could have uh, really added to that squad uh, from January onwards, and now now they've not got that. And just going back to Doherty, I'm not surprised that he's he's doing well again, getting regular games. Um, he obviously scored a brilliant goal on Sunday. I watched him. I watched him live in the Scottish Cup game. No, albeit against a Lowland League team away from home, but I thought it was excellent. It was the one guy driving Hibs forwards for midfield, doing all the things you know he's good at. And could he have added something to the Rangers squad? Undoubtedly, I think Murphy would have been a far better option than than Ojo or Barker in the squad right now. But as I say, I think that. The, the big mistake was not letting these guys out in the summer. Okay, we've got another question now from uh, Ochen Shi. He's asked, uh, Chris Common says Gerard would have had the sack if it wasn't for his name. I totally disagree. What do you think? Is Commons correct? I'll go first, Scott. Um, I read Chris Common's comments on this, uh, and I have to say, I thought, while he's entitled his opinion, I, I profoundly disagree with what I had to say. I think there's a tendency to look at Stephen Gerrard's from the outside of Rangers and and frame his managerial time at the club in the same context as, say, a Walter Smith or an Ali McCoyst when the club was in a totally different position. For me, Stephen Gerrard had an absolutely enormous rebuilding job to do when he came in the door after taking over from Graham Murray and Pedro Cascina. The club was in disarray, the, the, the squad was in disarray, and he's not had a huge amount of money to change it, and it was always going to take time. When they hire a manager who has no managerial experience, you have to accept he's going to make mistakes. He's not going to be the finished article. But let's be honest, Rangers don't have the budget to go out and get a finished article manager. Uh, Derek McInnes is a lot more experienced than uh, Stephen Gerrard, but is Derek McInnes the finished article to come into Rangers, take over a club at a level that he's never managed before? No, I don't think so. So I think, unfortunately, as bitter a pill as it will be to swallow for some Rangers fans... If they don't win the league or even the Scottish Cup this year, I still think you have to just grin and bear it and stick with Gerard because Gerard next season will be a better manager than he is this season because he'll have learned from his mistakes. He'll have further built the squad. And it's frustrating for Rangers fans because they want to win the title. They want to stop nine in a row. They definitely want to stop ten in a row. Um, but I think he has shown... Season-on-season season progress. Rangers are on better points tally now than they were last year. Significantly better. Um, if it had been last season with their points total now, they would have been three points clear at the top of the Premier League. Um, Premiership, sorry. So there is tangible progress. He's got them through the Europa League stages. He's done what many people, when he first started out, would have said was nigh-on impossible, which is qualify through four rounds of the Europa League. He's not done that once. He's done it twice. There is real value now in this squad. I could list off now five or six players that will get Rangers multi-million pound deals when they leave. So that's the the reality of it. Anything else is is not taking into account the context of when Gerard arrived. It's just simply daft to go back and apply rules from a bygone era and a different time when Rangers were in a much stronger position uh, against Celtic, both financially and in terms of the squad that managers in the past have inherited. And I think sometimes pundits tend to just dive in and uh, they don't take into account the, 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 the bigger picture that's going on around the club. That's the reality. Some people find it difficult to swallow. From my point of view, that's it. No, listen, in, in general, 
I tend to agree with you, and crucially, I think the Rangers board will think like that as well. What I would say as a caveat is that, irrespective of all that, come the end of this season, if Rangers are trophyless again, whether he likes it or not, and whether there's been progress or not, whether Gerrard's inexperienced or not, he will come under severe pressure um, from this summer onwards. I think I've said before on here, I think if you look back at history, there's maybe only one old firm manager has ever gone two seasons without a trophy and started the third year. Um, that was Liam Brady at Celtic and he only lasted until the October before getting sacked. And I think that will be the no, that will be the big issue at the start of next season. I don't doubt Gerard will start the season next year because I think the board do have long term faith in him. But when you're trying to stop ten in a row, which is the you no know, the ultimate the, no the, in terms of the, the in the Rangers fans' eyes, that just can't can't happen. If there's a hiccup at the start of next season, any sort of hiccup, then there will be a clamour for somebody else to come in and somebody somebody different, somebody that will have a immediate impact just in the sheer desperation to stop 10 in a row. Um, no, Vim Janssen obviously came in famously for Celtic and stopped Rangers doing the 10. It was a left-field appointment. Celtic fans weren't convinced at all by it. No, he had a poor start. But ultimately, it happened for him. And no, Somehow, so it, looking back it, on listen, it now. It happened um, yeah. incredibly. Um, no, that Celtic squad that year uh, bought into what Janssen did. No, albeit Rangers didn't help themselves at times. But I agree with pretty much everything you've said. That of course, there's been progress. Gerard's still a young manager learning his trade. He admits himself he's made mistakes. But there's no doubt they're in a far better place. I think it would help him immensely if he wins the Scottish Cup this season. I think that competition's crucial now because, that, no, as far as I'm concerned, the league is gone, pretty much. All but gone. They've got a difficult tie against Hearts at Tynecastle. I don't care how Hearts are performing in the league, given Rangers' performances there. Uh, on the last two occasions, that will be such a tricky, a tricky tie for them. Um, but the Scottish Cup is now crucial to them because if they could win the final, doesn't matter who it's against uh, in May. Rangers would finish the season on such a high. Uh, it would get Gerard the trophy. It would get that that monkey off his back, and he could get into next season. No, we have a real optimism that they could stop the, the 10 but as I say if they don't win a trophy this season and there are any hiccups at all at the start of next season then he's going to feel pressure that he's probably never felt in his career even as a even when he was a player eh, I think it'll be un- unprecedented Okay Scott uh, unfortunately while we have about another 10 questions we've uh, run over our time as usual so we're going to call it a day there um, thanks for listening we will be back uh, this time next week uh, with another podcast uh, if you want to get in touch with either of us you can do on Twitter I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane at Scott McDermott until next time thanks for listening